0: Hey, welcome to the podcast, my name is James, I am so grateful that you're tuning in, and my hope is that you would be inspired and encouraged today as you hear this message. I want to remind you that you're changed not by the word that you hear, but by the word that you do, so lean forward with an expectant attitude, and I believe God is going to speak to you today through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can go ahead and take your seat. Actually, you can go ahead and leave. We can leave right now after that. We just had church. That's the message right there. I am more than enough. You know, um, about a year or two ago, I was, uh, I was sitting at Moe's, the burrito restaurant, and um, I was eating a burrito all by myself for lunch. And I don't know why I was eating a burrito all by myself at Moe's for lunch, because I'll never eat lunch by myself. Usually I'll eat lunch at home, or uh, if I go out, I'll go with my wife, Irene, will go out for, for lunch, or I'll be meeting somebody for lunch. But for some reason, uh, a, a year or two ago, I was sitting at Mo's eating a burrito all by myself, and um, it was lonely, and uh that's why I think you should never have a meal by yourself. Like, I mean, if it's breakfast, that's okay, but, but I just believe that you should never eat lunch or dinner all by yourself. Like, because meals are meant to be shared with other people, right? And one of the, one of the saddest scenes is somebody eating all by their self. and so I just wanna encourage you, if you eat by yourself, maybe it's for efficiency, maybe it's for whatever, I have no idea. Y- you should not be eating by yourself, but instead, eat with some other people. I mean, I know it's COVID-19 and all that stuff, but come on, you you gotta be right mentally too. Your mental health matters. So eat with some people. And um, if you ever wanna not have lunch by yourself and you wanna take my wife and I out, man, we would love for you to take us out. If you ever wanna take us to dinner, we love places like Ruth's Chris, and so you can treat us all you want. But but you should never eat by yourself. And, And if you are lonely and if you do eat by yourself, you're in a church filled with people who you can connect with and do lunch with so that you can do life with because we were created not to do life on our own but to do life with other people. And so make sure you're connected with them. And here's the thing too, if you're a single guy or you're a single lady, I just gave you an excuse to ask somebody out on a date, right? You could just say, my pastor said I can't eat by myself so you gotta come, you know? So anyway, I was, I was at Moe's um, in Gint and I was eating a burrito all by myself during lunch and um, while I was eating, Uh, there was a a Harry Wilson song playing in the background. Cue music. You'd laugh more if it came in on time. It's all good. (laughs) But I was sitting there and I was eating my burrito, and this song was playing in the background. And while I was eating this burrito all by myself, um, I heard these two girls uh, who were talking in the booth right behind me. And um, one of the girls said, "Yeah, I've been looking for a church. Like I've been, I've been thinking about going to church. I just don't know where to go and all this stuff." And as soon as I heard that, there was like this pit in my stomach that formed because I heard her talking about wanting to find a church and and being interested in church. And I knew in that moment that I had to be the one to invite her to church. And and. This nervousness and anxiety just crept up all in me because I was like, oh dear God, enter her prayers. Maybe somebody will come and invite her to church. And then I was like, oh, it's me that has to invite this girl. And you may be hearing this and you're like, wait, you're the pastor. That should, that's like your job. It should be easy for you. But it's not. Man, when when I know. God is speaking to me to invite somebody to church, and by the way, the way that I knew God was speaking to me in that moment is because the devil will never urge me to invite somebody to church, right? And I will never urge me to invite somebody to church because I like to be comfortable, and I'm never going to encourage me to do something outside of my comfort zone, so I knew it was God speaking to me. By the way, that's how you can know if God has ever spoken to you. If you wonder, sometimes people ask that question, Pastor, how do I know God is speaking to me? If you've ever had the desire to invite somebody to church that was God speaking to you, congratulations, you've had God speak to you. Now, you just got to hone that in, that, that same thought and feeling and voice and whatever it is, in other areas of your life, because God is speaking to you all the time. We just don't listen. Listen. So I knew God was speaking to me, because again, and God was speaking to you, if you ever have the desire to invite somebody to church, you know it's not the devil, because he doesn't want you to invite somebody, and it's not you, because you like to be comfortable, you're never going to urge yourself to get out of your comfort zone. So God was speaking to me, he said, you got to invite this girl to church, and I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So so then I started formulating a plan, and um, what I was going to do is I was going to finish eating my burrito. So when I was done, I'd throw my trash away, and then I would would walk over to them, tell them about our church, and then I'd leave just in case it got awkward, just in case she was like, why are you eavesdropping on me? I don't really care. You know, I could just leave. Like I didn't have to stay and finish my burrito. So I finished eating my burrito. Because I was indeed all by myself. (laughs) I finished eating my burrito, And uh, I went over, I threw the trash away, and on my way out, I said the lines that I had rehearsed 47 times in my head. I said, hey, excuse me, sorry to interrupt, but um, I heard you talking about being interested in, in a church, and, uh, you know, I I think that's really cool that you're open to church, and uh, I just want to let you know about this church that I'm a part of. We meet in downtown at the Norva. That's when we met in downtown at the Norva. I wouldn't say that now, but we meet in downtown at the Norva, and um, I, I think you'd love it. We're a real church for real people. You should check it out. And I gave her a card that had our site on it so that she could she could check it out, and and. Just you know, I I didn't say that I was the pastor of the church. I I usually don't do that because if I say, yeah, I'm the pastor of the church, then I feel like they feel like, yeah, you kind of have to tell me about your church because you're the pastor, or I don't want to say that because then people make make all kinds of judgments. Well, you look like a a college-age kid. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Even though I'm 37, people still say, you're so young. I'm like, I'm older than Jesus was. Right? Anyway, uh, so I, I typically don't tell people I'm the pastor of the church because I want them to like come and see, and they're like, oh, that was that guy who talked to me. Now, here's what would be really cool if you invite somebody to church, you can say that. You can be like, I'm the pastor of the church. And then they'll show up and they'll be like, what? Anyway, um, so I invited them, and um, my, what was going to happen in my mind as I played it out was I'm going to say, hey, yeah, you should come check out our church. Here's the card, and then I leave. But as I'm about to leave, the girl breaks down in tears, and she said, "Thank you." You know, I was just talking to my friend, and I'm like, "I, I know, I was eavesdropping, like I could hear." I was just talking to my friend about about needing to come back to God, and and I I wanted to find a church, and you are an answer to my prayers. And she was like crying. I said, "Oh." That, man, I'd love for you to come check out our church. And, and and she said, can I ask you a couple questions? And so I said, sure, no problem. And and I answered some questions she had about God, and then and I left and I just felt, oh man, that was, that was great. And the next week, she came. Her and her friend, they came. And I preached this sermon. I got to the point in the sermon where I was talking about giving your life to Christ and making a decision to follow him. And she made that decision. She checked the box that we have on our connect card, where she said, I want to get baptized. And three weeks later, she was baptized in our church. Right? And, And all of that happened, except for her bursting into tears and coming to our church and getting baptized, right? But everything else happened. I mean, the Moe's incident, I was eating a burrito all by myself, I heard them say that they were interested in church, and I actually said something, they never came to church. Sorry to do that to you. Um, but I felt great about that, even though they never came. And I share that with you too, just so you know that I strike out too. That when I invite people, not everybody comes, and that's okay. But I share that with you because I felt great, because I did the thing God was telling me to do. Because as a Christian who's trying to follow God, one of the things that I need to do is do the thing God is calling me to do. And God was calling me to invite this person to church and I was proud of myself for not saying no. Even though it was difficult for me, even though I was nervous, (laughs) even though I was anxious and I was scared and I didn't want to be seen as a weirdo, I said something and I was on cloud nine afterwards. You know, we're, we're in the season of Christmas right now, and uh, you can tell because of all the Christmas music that, that's, that's being sung all over the place. And one of my favorite Christmas songs is the song that we sang earlier, Go Tell It on the Mountain. And the lyrics for the song uh, start off this way. It says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And I love this song because it's an invitation for us to share with other people the faith that we have. But during this season, I think we sing a different song. And I don't think we mean to sing a different song, I just think we unintentionally sing a different song. And the different song sounds like this. Really, it sounds the same, but we just insert one word into the song and it's this, don't, don't don't go tell it on the mountain. Whatever you do, don't go tell it on the mountain. Don't share with other people about the hope that you have. Don't share about the faith that you have. Instead, I want to encourage you to remain home and have a silent night. I think so often during this season, during the Christmas season, we sing the song, don't go tell it on the mountain. And it's not because we want to, I think we unintentionally sing this song because we get pummeled with plans during this time of year. We get bogged down with busyness during this time of year. Uh, we, get, we get slapped in the face with stress. We get consumed by consumerism. And so what happens is the Christmas season is one that comes and goes, and it's like a whirlwind. And we ask the question, did you do all your shopping? Did did I get everybody enough plastic stuff? Did I I send the greeting cards? Did did we go to the the parties? Did Did we do all this stuff for Christmas? And then when it's over, it's like we take this big, deep breath, and it's like, or a sigh. It's like, thank God it's over. But... While we're thinking, God, this whole thing is over because of all the stress and the anxiety and the chaos, we forget to share with people about the good news that comes from the God that we're thinking. You know, studies tell us that eight out of 10 people will say yes to an invitation to church if they're asked during this time of year. Like, people who don't go to church will go to church if they're invited, eight out of 10 people, 80% of people will say yes to an invitation if somebody just invites them to come to church, right? 80% of people, and here's the thing, even people who don't go to church will come to church if they're invited, because people who don't go to church will go to church one or two times a year, Christmas and Easter, and one of the reasons why people go to church on Christmas more so than any other time of the year, is especially people who don't go to church, it's because that's just what we do, right? Like, that's just what we do in, in America. It's Christmas time, I think I should probably do something with God, so sure, fine, I'll go, but I don't really know where to go and I don't really know anybody there, but then their friend comes along and says, hey, you should come sit with me as we celebrate Christmas. And they're okay with that, sure, fine, whatever, we'll do that. And people will come to church, eight out of 10 people will come to church if they're invited, but, the problem for so many of us during this season, because we're caught in consumerism, because we're stressed, because we're thinking about our plans and our family traditions and our, everything we're doing, oftentimes we don't ever extend that invitation. And what happens is we refrain from inviting some of the most meaningful people in our lives to the most meaningful moment of the year. I mean, we do this for everything, right? We invite the most meaningful people in our lives to the most meaningful moments in our lives. We do this with weddings, we do this with graduations. But when it comes to Christmas, if you're a Christian, you have an opportunity. Next week, December 20th, as we celebrate Christmas here in the brewery, you have an opportunity next week to bring some of the most meaningful people in your lives to one of the most meaningful moments of the year. And all you have to do is extend an invitation. All you have to do is go tell it on the mountain, go share it on Facebook, go post it on Instagram, go make a TikTok video, and share it. So what I wanna do in the time that we have left is I'm gonna teach you how to share your faith with people, how to extend an invitation. Because look, if you have a fear of rejection, this is one of the best times for you to get over that fear because 80% of people will not reject you if you just invite them to church. So I wanna teach you how to share your faith, how to extend an invitation, and how to get people here next week so they can find the one who gives life, so they can bump into the same Jesus who's given you hope, and direction so that they can come to discover the same God who's leading you in your life because you found something that they need. And if there's anything I've come to discover, it's that found people, find people. And we cannot remain silent this year. So 80% of people will say yes to an invitation to church if they're asked by somebody. And here's the thing. Um. Uh, people who are open to exploring faith, uh, research was done and what they found is that the top three ways people who are uh, exploring faith are open to discovering faith are through relational ways. And so the Barna Research Group uh, found that the top three ways people prefer to explore faith are through a one-on-one conversation, a conversation in a group, or through a person at church. And all these things are relational. So what they found is that people don't prefer to be handed a tract that says turn or burn, you're going to hell. People don't prefer uh, just a text message. I mean, that's an invite. And so you said, well, hold on now, 80% of people say yes to an invitation. A text message is an invitation. Hold on, I'll explain in a minute. But people prefer a relational approach when it comes to exploring faith. And that's good news, here's why. Because most Christians prefer a relational approach in talking about faith. More than half of all Christians surveyed said that they feel comfortable sharing their faith with someone else through a relational mode, listening to someone's questions about faith. I feel like I gotta have all the answers. No, you just gotta listen to somebody's questions. And if you don't know, you can say, I don't know. But I'll get back to you on it. I don't know. That'd be a good thing for us to figure out together. See, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves that we feel like we got to answer other people's questions. I'm scared to say something to somebody because what if they ask me something I don't know? That's okay. You get asked stuff you don't know all the time, especially if you got kids. Well, how come? Or you got stuff that you don't want to share with them all the way. Where do babies come? You know? So. That's okay, don't put the pressure on you. I don't know. I don't know, I hadn't figured that one out. Let's, let's figure it out together. That's a good response. But, but Christians, most Christians prefer listening to others' questions about faith. Most Christians, when it comes to sharing their faith, um, they enjoy being hospitable, making friends with people who believe differently, sharing their own journey of faith, meeting the needs of others, and also inviting someone to church. So the good news is this. Most people are open to an invitation to church and to meet God in a relational way, and most Christians are more comfortable approaching the subject of faith in a relational way. So you don't need to memorize the Roman road. You don't need... What is that? It's a a method of sharing your faith with people. You don't need to memorize the top 10 questions, the top 10 answers to questions that people are gonna have for you to share your faith. You don't need to have your life all together. Because a Christian is not somebody who has it all together and is perfect. A Christian is somebody who realizes, I'm jacked up, but Jesus makes me perfect. Right? So you don't need to have the best marriage to be raising the best kids. You don't need to have the best job. You don't need to all that stuff. Now. I think it's good for you to know if that's the case for you and that's your situation, it's great that God's grace comes and says you're more than enough. And that's great in your testimony. I don't have it all together, but God says I'm more than enough. But it's also good for you to have some stuff together in your life because that becomes evidence for people to look at and say, you got what I don't have. I want it. How do I get it? And you can say, well it's only because I'm following Jesus and I'm practicing His principles and doing what He says. You know what I'm saying? Because here's the deal, I don't need Jesus to be in debt. But if I look at your life and I see, wait, you're not in debt? You're practicing biblical principles of finances? Well I want to be like that. How do I do that? You just follow the way of Jesus. Well, hold on now. You don't seem to be in broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship. You seem to have a sense of security, a sense of peace, a sense of self-worth. How is that? Well, I just determined that my self-worth is not in what a man says or what a woman says, but in who Jesus says I am. And so I got some standards, and I've set some boundaries, and that's why. Oh, I want peace like that. How do I get that? So it goes both ways. You can be jacked up as you want to be, and we, and we all have areas like that, and that's why God's grace is so good. You know, you're right, I'm not there yet, but thank God for His grace. You know, I've been practicing the principles of God and living out His wisdom, and because of that I've gotten some success, I've gotten some wins, I've gotten some victories, and so if you want what i got, let me introduce you to the one that I'm following. So. When it comes to sharing our faith, we do it in a relational way. Here's why, Uh, and, and I don't need to teach you through a class or a curriculum or a seminar on how to share your faith, because we talk about what we love. It just comes natural to us. And so the best way for you to share your faith is to talk about what you love. And we understand that, we see that, because when somebody has kids, we don't have to beg them to talk to us about their kids. We see the posts. We see the pictures. There, there's one person every, uh, on, on posts I make always got to find a way to put her kids in it. And it's like, you love your kids. You can't blame her. She loves her kids. I talk about my kids all the time. I love them. Because we talk about what we love. Right? You get some people started talking about comics or movies or uh, or cars or construction or or their job, whatever it is, if they love it, you can't get them to shut up about it. Because we talk about what we love. We talk about what we love. And here's the thing, in any of those conversations, nobody has ever said talking about cars, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to be too pushy. Is this uncomfortable for you? Like, I don't want to shove this down your throat. Are you okay with that? That never happens. We talk about what we love, and the reason why people don't feel put off by it is because when we talk about what we love, we talk about it in a loving way. There's a passion there. There's an excitement there. We talk about what we love, and because we love it, we talk about it in a loving way, so much so that other people hear it, and even if they're not into it, they're like, you're into it, and maybe I wanna be into it too. So how do we share our faith? We just talk about what we love. And maybe for some of you, you came to church today to be challenged. Maybe some of you have to re-examine your life and your love relationship with Jesus and say, do I love him as much as I say I do? Do I love him as much as I say I do? Here's how you can find out. You just look at the evidence. You look at your bank account. I know I say I love Jesus, but does, does my bank account show that? Because wherever your money goes, your heart follows. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your money goes, your heart follows. You look at your bank account. You also just look at your conversations and the thing that you talk about. Do you you talk about God? Do you talk about Jesus? Do you talk about what he's doing in your life? And again, not in a weird, obnoxious kind of way, but in a loving way. So maybe for some of you, you have to re-examine your love relationship with Jesus and say, Jesus, help me return back to you and love you like I should. Love you like I should, love, love, love you. Anyway, maybe, maybe it's a re-examination of that. But then for others of you, it's getting over the insecurity, it's giving, getting over the nervousness, it's giving over the, the anxiety. And knowing how good God is to you, said I can't keep it silent, because I found life and I want to share it with others. So the way that we extend an invitation, the way that we go tell it on the mountain, is we just talk about what we love. And we talk about it in a lovable way. And we do it in a relational way. And I know 80% of people will say yes to an invitation, but here's the deal too, if you're gonna be relational, you gotta follow up that invitation with another invite or a conversation. Hey, it would mean so much to me if you sat with me next week as we celebrate Christmas. And then you follow up. Hey, I know I invited you, so what are you thinking? I'd love to come pick you up. Let's do lunch afterwards. You follow that up. And I wonder today, who do you need to invite to sit with you next week as we celebrate Christmas? And you're already having names come to your mind. You know some people who are living in darkness right now who have not experienced the light that you found. You know some people right now, who've gone from broken relationship to broken relationship to broken relationship, and they have not met the one who can heal their soul. You know some people right now, who need to be here next week. And they need to hear a message that I'm gonna preach called, O come all ye faithless. Because that's the invitation that God makes to each and every one of us. You don't have to be faithful to follow me, because I'm faithful even when you're faithless. But you come and I'll show you a way greater than you can ever imagine to live. Who do you know who needs to be here next week to hear a message of hope and grace? The names that are coming to your mind, that's God speaking to you right now. And some of you need to stop taking notes. Some of y'all ain't even taking notes. You need to take notes on this. I worked hard on this sermon. You should be taking notes. But some of you need to stop taking notes right now, some of you need to start taking notes right now, but some of you need to take your phone out right now and you need to text some people, not play Angry Birds, not play Candy Crush, you need to text some people right now and say, I am so sorry for not inviting you, would you come sit with me next week? Or maybe that's not how you started off. But who needs to be here next week? And I'll I'll guarantee you this, they won't be here unless you invite them, unless you extend an invitation. So, this is how we extend an invitation. We talk about what we love, uh, and most people prefer a relational way of doing that. So, we talk about what we love. Uh, Now I want to explain to you why we do it. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus started his ministry uh, in Galilee, it's northern Israel. And it was this, this moment where he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. This is in the very beginning of his ministry. And I want to show you how he begins his ministry. He begins his ministry by extending an invitation for some people to follow him. And the invitation he extends to them is an invitation to follow him so that they can learn how to extend invitations to others to follow him. Here's, here's what takes place Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And so right here in Galilee, this is where it all begins. Jesus' ministry is just starting off, and it starts off with an invitation to follow him. And as you follow me, I'm going to teach you to invite others to follow me. That's where it all begins, an invitation for people to follow Jesus. And then later on in Jesus' ministry, um, there's, there's another time that he reiterates uh, why he came. We find it in Luke chapter uh, 19 verse 10, he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And what happened was Jesus invited himself to this guy named Zacchaeus' house. He's like, hey, I'm going to come to your house today. So he, he extends an invite to crash his house. He goes in, and then um, Zacchaeus says, he, he's a tax collector for Rome. People hate him, uh, and Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give everything. Uh, I'm gonna give back what I've robbed from people. I'm gonna start following you. And then there are haters of Jesus who hear that and they're like, oh, he extends grace and forgiveness even to bad people like this guy? And that's when Jesus says what he says in Luke 19:10: The son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. If you're found, you don't need me to find you. But if you're lost, I've come to show you the way. And so right here in the middle of Jesus' ministry, he reminds us that the reason why he came is to extend invitations for lost people to be found. And then Jesus' ministry concludes in Jerusalem. He begins in Galilee, northern Israel, and it's in Jerusalem, southern Israel, that he's arrested, he's accused of trumped up charges, he's beaten, mocked, whipped, and then nailed to a cross. And it was on that cross that he was murdered, that he died, to forgive us of our sins, to take our place, so that we could be given grace. And then he was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. And this takes place in Jerusalem. Now, when Jesus resurrects, he appears to these two women, and he says, hey, I'm alive. They're like, yeah, we see. (laughs) Hey, I'm alive. Here's what I want you to do. Tell my disciples, tell those guys who are following me to meet me on a mountain in Galilee. Now his disciples are in Jerusalem where he was crucified. He says, I want you to tell them to go back to where it all began in Galilee, the start of the ministry where I first invited them. Meet me there because I got something to share with them. And so the the disciples make the trek. It's 96 miles from Jerusalem to Galilee. Traveling four miles an hour, it would have taken 24 hours to walk there. So about two days journey of 12 hour walking. Jesus says, meet me in Galilee, the place where it all began. And remember where it all began? It began with an invitation to follow him, to then invite others to follow him. So they meet him on this mountain in Galilee, Mount Tabor. And here's what's recorded for us from Matthew. Matthew says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and he told his disciples. By the way, I just want to point this out. It says, when they saw saw him, they worshipped, but some of them doubted. These are people who spent three years with Jesus, who saw him killed and saw him resurrected, And now the resurrected Jesus is standing in front of them on top of this mountain, holes in his wrists. He's like, I'm alive. And still some of them, the people who were closest to him were like, I don't know about that. Isn't that encouraging that in your doubts, Jesus didn't reprimand them. Jesus didn't say, what's wrong with you? I'm right here. But he allowed them to live in that doubt. So if you doubt, you're in good company because some of them doubted. And Jesus came and told his disciples. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go make disciples. Make followers of all the nations. The way that you do that is you go invite people to follow me, just like I invited you to follow me. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to go share with other people the invitation to follow me, just like I invited you to follow me. And here we are. I'll mount Tabor in Galilee. This is the place where it all began and it began with an invitation. And he said, I'll be with you. You're not doing it alone. When you finish your burrito at Mo's all by yourself and you talk to those girls, you don't need to be nervous. You don't need to be anxious. I'll be with you. I'm right there. So he tells the disciples this and then afterwards, they walk back to Jerusalem 96 miles two days' journey, 24 hours, and then he meets him again on another mountain, Mount, the, the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus' ministry ended, on the Mount of Olives he was, cruci- or he, was, he was arrested. So Jesus' ministry began in Galilee. He meets him on a mountain there where it all began, and he invited them to follow him, and then he meets him again on the Mount of Olives where his ministry ended, and here's what he says just before he ascends into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jeru- uh, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So on the Mount of Olives, the place where it all ended, Jesus reiterates the importance of inviting people to follow him. He says, you'll be my witnesses. You know what a witness is? A witness is someone who sees something and says something. You will be the people who see something about what you've, who will say something about what you've seen. And so Jesus meets with them at the very end of the ministry, and he reminds them it's all about an invitation. He meets them in the place where it all began, on a mountain. says, go invite people to follow me. He meets him in the place where it all ended, on a mountain, and he says, go invite people to follow me. Jesus' ministry has always been about inviting people to follow him, and then he invites his followers to invite others to follow him. So it was on those mountains that he essentially told them, go, tell it on the mountain. Hey, can I tell you this morning It's time for you to go tell it on the mountain. Don't remain silent in this season, but go tell it on the mountain. Those disciples heard what Jesus said, where it all began and where it all ended, on those mountains, and then they went and they spread the word. But I wanna let you know that it's our turn now. It's our time now to extend an invitation. Eighty percent of people will say yes to an invitation. If you'll just say something, we can't remain silent. Because you know some people who are living in darkness. You know some people who don't have hope. You know some people who their marriage is on the brink of death. Their relationships are dying, but you know the one who gives life. You know the light of the world. You know the one who gives hope to all people. So it's our turn now to live out the words of Jude and be the kind of people who rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. So go tell it on the mountain. This week is one of the best times for you to do that because you know the one who gives life. You know the one who gives hope. You know the one who brings peace. Go tell it on the mountain. Well, hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you were inspired, encouraged, and challenged by what you heard. And I want to let you know if you benefit in any way from this ministry or listening to the podcast, I want to invite you and encourage you to become a giver, not just be a consumer, but a contributor. You know, we're able to do what we do because of the many faithful givers in our church. And I want to invite you. To be one of those as well. You can go to our website, we'retherising.com, and see how you can give. But as you contribute to the work that God is doing in and through our church, just know that you are helping to make a difference in the lives of so many people. So thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And my hope is that as you put what you've heard into practice, you'll be changed and transformed forever.